So praise the Lord. I guess our kids are gone, so we're going to jump into the message this morning. And, and we're going to jump into it a little different. Sometimes I'll do a little bit of an intro. Not going to do an intro. I'm going to start with scripture, our scripture this morning, as the intro. And it's found in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. What does it mean that God is with us? Read with me. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So pledged means, you know, back then they had kind of a two-step marriage, right? You were kind of engaged and uh, committed to one another, and then you did that for about a year or so, sometimes longer, and then when you completed the second step of the marriage was the husband would take the wife home to be his wife. And they were going to kind of get to the stage. But even though you were engaged, you were legally married. It was kind of a done deal. So this was pretty important that she was found to be pregnant. And pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And it says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. And it says he was a righteous man in some of your uh, translations. And yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. See, that was kind of how things were done. It was what he should do if he was going to be righteous. But he could have done it publicly. He could have exonerated his own reputation, but he didn't because he was a righteous man. He was a good man. And he cared about her. But he didn't understand what was going on, right? You, you know, think about it. Most of us husbands would be kind of an un understanding if we were to be in the same circumstances be a hard thing to swallow. And so he was going to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to, to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. God broke through. God spoke in a dream. It changed everything for him. And then it says, in verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the prophet Isaiah, that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus praise the Lord what a great passage Matthew focuses on the the birth of Christ through Joseph's eyes rather than Luke that focuses through Mary's eyes what does it mean that God is with us we can talk about a lot of things in this passage and I love this passage but what does it mean that God is with us? That's an important statement. I hope you're, you're, you know that it's important. I hope it hits you with a sense of gravity. That God is declaring through the birth of Christ that he's with us. But we need to talk about what does this mean? Who, who's he with? Who's the us? See, many times when we say that somebody is with us, what we mean is they're our friends, right? 
This, this person's my bro. This person's my chica. This person's my girl. They're my posse. You know, they're my gang. You know, they're my hood. They're my man. You know, that's what we say. I don't know. I've said all those things growing up. I, I, I lived kind of an interesting life. But anyhow. So we benefit from their companionship and their camaraderie, don't we? And, and they're there for us in our time of trouble or need. And they're with us. They're on our side. And they'll fight even to defend us or to defend our honor. Yet sometimes, you and I, we run around, we're not sure who's with us. Who's really with me? I got a lot of, a lot of people saying they're with me, but are they really with me? I'm not sure who's really on my side. I got people I think are on my side, but who's really there on my side? And you know, this became very clear to me how important this was before I knew Jesus, but it was back in middle school. I was an eighth grader. You know, when you're an eighth grader in middle school, uh, see, we don't have any junior highs here. You have a lot of different things, but that was this. We went to a school. It was a jungle called seventh and eighth grade. I mean, it was in California. It had a a massive amount of kids, you know, don't put that many 7th, 8th graders together in one place. That's never a good idea, see? And, and it wasn't. It was rough. It was rough. Rough 7th grade year, got better because now I'm an 8th grader, top dog. Things change. And then people grow up and they move on to high school, but you don't because you, you still think you're grown up. You start getting facial hair. You start, you know, talking lower. If you're a boy, hopefully not a girl, right? You start doing all those things and you think that you're grown up, but you're top dog now. But you need to know who's with you. Who's on your side. Who's for you. And as it goes when you're in middle school, you know, a day came when we had to choose sides. I don't know what happened that day. I don't know if we were bored. I don't know if we had too much sugar for breakfast that morning. I don't know what really what happened but I know something happened where somebody's honor was at stake. Somebody said something stupid, and it made people mad, and it began to happen. We had to choose sides. It was out on the quad. You call it the playground, but, you know, it's middle school. It's a quad, right? And we began to choose sides. Now, you also know in middle school, you've got groups, right? And I don't know what group you were in when you were in middle school. Maybe they're not as clearly cut, but we named them like this. You had the athlete cool group, right? They thought they were all this and a bag of chips. They were top dogs. They had, you know, sometimes had more money. They could flash it by what they wore. They were cool. They were, they were jocks. They were the group. Then you had another group. We'll call them the nerds. That's what we called them. I, I love the movie The Revenge of the Nerds. How many people have seen that movie? I don't really love it. It's not really a great movie. But, you know, it's this whole revenge because pretty much you begin to work for nerds later in life. You don't know that. <laughs> but all those cool people and then the other people are going to be working for them. As they were smart kids and they were, they were just a different group. Maybe they weren't really socially graceful, a little socially awkward. They hadn't bloomed yet. They were going to bloom later. Uh, but there was that group. And then you had another group, and I don't know what you all call them, but we called them the hoods. The hoods were the people that, they kind of, they were the rule breakers. They were sometimes a little tough, 
Yeah, they did things they weren't supposed to do. We had a spot where they, a, lot, that, a, a subgroup of that group met, and they left cigarette butts and everything else around. But you had that group, and that group was, was seen as, you know, they're just going to break rules, they're going to get through life, and uh, they're going to be tougher, but they were the hoods. They were kind of the cool dark side. And so then you had a fourth group, and that fourth group was, we don't know where we fit. They were the crossovers. And I happened to be a bit of a crossover. You know, here I was, I was a kid who, you know, I got athlete of the year, my eighth grade year, not trying to brag, I'm just saying, in my school, as I was into it, because I'm trying to balance this. But I had friends who were nerds. I got almost straight A's in middle school. Can you believe that? I think I got one B my eighth grade year. Now, I'm not saying that I got that legitimately, but I'm saying because what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> okay? I got the Citizenship of the Year Award for boys in my eighth grade year. But let me tell you something. I was not what I always appeared to be because I said I didn't know where I fit. I was an athlete. I was a nerdy, kind of. But I was a hood, too. I broke rules. But I hid it. I stole stuff. But I hid it. I took stuff. Not stealing it, taking it, right? But I kind of hid it. But people who knew me knew. And they knew where I was at. And, and so I was all around, and I was so totally insecure. How about you in middle school? Man, I was so totally insecure that anybody would ever find out who I really was because if they found out, then I'd, I'd be sure they'd know I wasn't even half of what they thought I was. So I was scared a lot and, and everything. So this day comes. They're lining up. They're mad. And they start dragging other people into it, and so there's going to be a fight out on the quad. So what happens is they start drawing lines, and it's the jocks and the cool kids. Ah, come on, you guys, are you afraid to fight? Da, 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 they're talking big. And then it's the hoods over here, and they're lining up going, yeah, we're going to shut your big sissy mouth, you know? And pretty soon belts are coming off, and they're wrapping around fists, and different things are coming out. You know, we weren't the type they're going to bring guns or, or bring knives. No, we're going to be mono e mono Maybe some nunchucks could come out. But outside of that, it was going to be fists and feet. And it was going to be a brawl. And everyone's looking, and I could feel the tension coming up because they're, they're lining up, and they're looking, all right, Landenberger, where are you lining up? And I thought, oh, no. Okay, I'm going to have to line up here. I got friends kind of on both sides. But my loyalties lied with my boys. And so guess where I went? I lined up with the hoods. Today I'm a hood. Well, right away, all of a sudden, I get all this kind of, you know what happened. Oh, Lannenberger, you, we knew you were a low life. We knew you were da-da-da-da this. We knew you were that. And I said, well, I guess I got friends in low places, right? I do. And I guess that's where my loyalty lies. And, and because in the end, I didn't like people who thought they were better than other people. That was kind of at the core of my core values. I didn't like people who picked on other people who thought they were better. And my hood friends just wouldn't do stuff like that. So I lined up. Well, the administration found out. You have all these guys lining up. They found out they, knock, they knocked us down. 
Well, we said, all right, let's go play football. So we're going to have a football game, hoods against the, 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 the jocks and all that. Let's do that then. Well, administration watched that and said, no, they're not going to have it either because they're just going to start fighting is what's going to happen, which is what we were going to do. And they shut us down. And then what happened? We're middle schoolers. Our attention span is gone. Nobody can remember what we were really fighting about. All the steam had blown off. We start kind of disbanding. There never was a fight. There never was a fight. All of a sudden, we patched things up a little bit here and there. We kind of went on. Now, there were fights every week at my middle school. There were fights all the time in smaller groups and in between people. But there was never that great big brawl that was supposed to happen. But at that point, though, we still we had to declare who we were with. Who are we for? You have to declare. It matters. It means something. And I want you to know something this morning. That if there's one thing clear when you read through the Christmas story and the Christmas passage, it's this. God is for you. Do you feel that? He's lined up with you. He has. He's for you. He's with you. He's lined up with you. Even though you think, man, I am this hood or I'm this arrogant jock or I'm this clumsy nerd, or whatever I am. Doesn't matter. The Lord has lined up with humanity. He is with us. I want you to check out something in the Christmas story. In Luke chapter 1, that's not the passage we read today, but you can read the Christmas story there. I want to just talk about some of the things that Luke chapter 1 and 2 tell us. And here's the first. The angel Gabriel also came to Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, during this Christmas season. And he said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife will bear you a son, even though she's barren. And this son will bring back many of God's people, the people of Israel, to the Lord their God. And he'll make many people ready and prepared for the Lord who is coming. So what the angel told us right there is that he identified the fact that, that the people are not with God. The people have not lined up with God. You're not for him. You're not lined up with him, even though you say you are by your mouth, your heart, and your mind, and your life are not. But God, on the other hand, he is with you. He's for you. And he's working to make you ready to receive him. That's what he told them. That's pretty amazing. God's pretty big. God's pretty loving. God's pretty loyal to us, his humans. Next in Luke chapter 1, 28 through, and then verses 30 and 32, here he's meeting Gabriel, the archangel of God, is meeting and foretelling the birth of Jesus to Mary. And this is what Gabriel says. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Was it because of anything Mary had done? No. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord is with Mary. He's lined up with her. She has his favor. And then lastly, in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 11, and then verses 11, or 13 through 14, the angel of the Lord is talking to low-life shepherds. 
He's gone to the hood side now. He's out in the field. And this is what the angels say. But even the angels said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. I love it. And then verses 13 and 14, this is what happens. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts. And when you hear heavenly hosts, you need to think of heavenly angel or army angels. They're packing. They're massive. They're powerful looking beings. And they're an army. And it says they gather with these, this angel and they're praising God and this is the message they're giving. Not, we're ready to line up against you. We're ready to smash your faces in. We're ready to make you account for all your sins. But this is what they say. Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Praise the Lord. Let's give God a hand for that. Amen. Let's do. He's saying, I'm lining up with you down there. I'm lining up with you. What does it mean that God is with us? It means God is for us. He's on our side. And if these Christmas passages aren't enough to convince you and me, we need to read again Romans 5.8. And this is what Romans 5.8 says. It says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, he died for us. Before he ever knew who would accept his sacrifice, he just said, I'm for you and I'm with you. I'm going to die in your place. I'm going to sacrifice it all for you because I am with you. I am with you. He died for us. So that's the first point we need to know. God is for us. He's not just with us. He is for us. He's lined up with us. That is just crystal clear. That is a cool thing to get from Christmas. But here's the second thing that you've got to get, and this is it. And I'm just going to give you the second point right up front. To obey God is to be with him. He's, he's with us, but are we with him? I'm here to tell you, you have to obey him to be with him. He, he may be lining up with you, but are you lining up with him? At each step through our passage today that we read here in Matthew, Joseph stayed with God as he obeyed him through each new revelation. See, he had to receive new revelations, didn't he? Through the thing. It was completely outside of his, his or anyone else's experience to have a, a fiance impregnated by the creator of the universe. See, that, that you would just laugh yourself silly if your spouse told you that, right? Nobody had ever experienced that. Nobody ever thought that could happen. But Joseph submitted to the angel of the Lord who appeared to him, instructing him not to divorce his wife, but take her home to be his wife. So he obeyed. He submitted to it. Two, no one had ever heard or known or ever been asked to be the adopted father of the Son of God. He's got to make a decision right there. Am I going to be this kid's dad? Am I going to be his father? Am I going to be responsible? And what did Joseph do? He said, yeah, 
I'll be his dad. I'll be responsible. In fact, I'll use the name you gave me. I'm almost certain Jesus was never on the short list of Joseph's names for a kid, for his kids, right? Probably wasn't. But he named his kid Jesus, was willing to be his dad. And then finally, nor did Joseph ever think or experience anyone around him who was married, who had brought his home, his wife home, who didn't have sex for the first six months, if not more. Right? Who's ever done that? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm almost certain you would all say, well, no. You've never heard of that either. He was willing to obey. He, he was willing to be considerate. He was willing to be sensitive. He was willing to delay his gratification even, right? Or, or, or his own rights. I love that. He accepted God's will and he didn't consummate the marriage until Mary gave birth to her firstborn son. He had to be a partner with God in this. And he obeyed. So if you're going to be with God, he's with you. But how how are you going to be with him? And the only way to be with him and for him is to obey him. Do you see that? That's it. God is with us. He's for for us. But are we with him? Otherwise, our faith is just words and not trust. And guess, the, guess what? The, the, the deal is we don't have to be rocket science, scientists here this morning. God knows how to communicate to each of us. He knows how to tell us his will. And we know his will. And we know if we're not obeying it or if we are. And if he's asking you to do something, he's asking you to live a certain way, he's asking you to trust him in something, Obey him. And now you're with him because he's with you. But to not obey him is to deny him and go to the other side. (laughs) Amen? It's to go to the other side. So we just have to trust and willingly obey him. That's so important in this passage if we're going to be with him. But finally, what does it mean that God is with us? Well, there's one final thing. And here it is. The angel or Matthew, they tied this miraculous conception and birth of Jesus to this prophetic promise that's found in Isaiah chapter 7. It's, it's a prophecy that was first given to King Ahab, or Ahaz of Judah. Originally, Isaiah came and told King Ahaz that if he received God's promise to deliver him, to deliver Judah, the country that he was king over, and Jerusalem, If he would receive in faith that promise, God would would deliver him from his coming enemies, which were the king of Aram and the king from Israel to the north. They were coming. And God said, I'll deliver you. I'll deliver you from the hand of your enemies. And and I'm going to give you a sign of a child being born to a virgin. And this sign will will let you know that, hey, I'm going to keep my promise. And I'm here to tell you something, that your country will be delivered from the hands of your enemies, and these enemies will be laid waste their land before the time that this child is old enough to know between right and wrong. It's going to happen. So you're afraid for nothing, Ahaz. You're afraid for nothing. That's what Isaiah was telling him. But you've got to believe. But Isaiah... Ahaz, did did Ahaz believe? If you know the story, no, he didn't. 
He didn't believe and he didn't receive the promise. In fact, he was a little obstinate because God had said, ask me for a sign so that you could know that my promise will be confirmed. And Ahaz said, well, you shouldn't put the Lord your God to the test. He was being so righteous and religious, right? But it was just all a farce because he didn't want to depend upon the Lord and he didn't want to trust him. And so Isaiah confronted him with that and said, are you going to exasperate God forever? This is getting really old and tiresome. And so God's going to give you a sign anyhow. But King Ahaz chose alliance with the ruthless king of Assyria instead to save him from his enemies. And that only meant that Ahaz would ultimately be enslaved and his country ravished by the Assyrians instead of being delivered because he wouldn't trust God. See, when you think about it, could there be a more convincing sign that God is with us and for us as human beings than to come, for him to come as one of us? To submit to the process of conception to manhood. Could there be any greater sign of God to show that he's with us and for us? Well, no. No. And not only did he come as a man, but he came to live a sinless life in a sinful world. And then he came to give his sinless life in payment for our sins and to rescue us from our penalty of death. He came to solve our problem. See, this is the prophetic promise at Christmas. It's the prophetic promise for each of us that we must receive. God has come in the flesh, and he's come to live and to die on our behalf. That's why he came. And he came to show us he's truly with us and for us. But the question becomes, are we with him and for him? For years, many of us have not been with him, and we would know that, wouldn't we? Through faith in Christ, we have to be reconciled to God. And for many of us, we didn't have faith in Christ, and we weren't reconciled to God. But God has come, and he's come to make peace between us and him, and he's come to do it through the blood of his son on the cross. In that way, God demonstrated his love for us. Remember Romans 5 eight, That God demonstrated his love for us by dying for us while we were yet sinners. There is no greater love, the Bible says in John 15, than anyone, that anyone can have than to lay down their life for their friends. That truly shows that you're with them. So God is with us in that he sent his son to live and die and to rise again for us so that we might be forgiven, we might be accepted, we might be reconciled and loved by the Father. God is with us. And not only that, but God is also, at, because he's risen, he's sent back his Holy Spirit to live within us, and that also proves even more that God is with us, because now God is in us, through the Spirit he's given us, and through the fruits that are are developed and produced in our lives through the answers of prayer, God shows time and time again that he's with us. Are we with him? Are we with him? Are we with him? Praise God. As we live by faith in the Son of God, as we live by faith in the promises that God has given us, we will experience him. 
but we have to live by faith. We have to live in obedience. We have to walk in step with him and his spirit. So God's with us. Are you with him? And have you accepted that prophetic promise? And are you walking in those prophetic promises today? I want you to read with me and listen again as we come to a conclusion. And I know that that may surprise you that I'm coming to a conclusion so quickly. Amen. Christmas miracle. Amen. Christmas miracle. God is with us. That should be proof to you that God is with you. Amen. Romans 8, 31 through 39 is one of the greatest passages of Scripture. It was written by the Apostle Paul, and this should convince us that God has given us some great encouragement and great promises in our present time of suffering to let us know that he's with us. Romans 8, 31 through 39 says this, What then shall we say in response to these things? That is our present sufferings and our tough times that we're going through and our battles against the evil one that tries to kill, stone and destroy in our lives. It says this, If God is for us, who can be against us? Come on. I built my life on that. You've built your life on that. Let's even, let's even build it stronger on that. God is with us and he's big enough to communicate to us what we are to do and not to do. We don't have to live just by our own wits or our own strength. We don't have to do things like everybody else does in life. We can be ourselves. If you want to be a nerdy hood cool person, you can be that if God made you that. Well, not the hoodie part. I guess that's all negative, right? No, it was hippie kind of, too. So that's not bad. I digress. If God is for us, who can be against us? I like that. I'm so glad. He who did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Man, he's with us. I trust he's with us. No one does that if they're not with you. Then that, that's evidence. Wow, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? He's the trump card. He's the greater trump. He rules. Who? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that was raised to life. He's at the right hand of God. He's also interceding for us. He's for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? You can't do it. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? All those things are pretty big threats. But those things can't separate you because he's for you. He doesn't abandon you in those persecutions and those trials and sufferings. He walks with you. He walks with you to show you that his life is greater and stronger and better than just the life of the world. Isn't that great? Not to say you won't go through some of those things because godly people do. But he's with you. He's for you. Like he was with him for his son. So good. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or dangers, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. 
We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But God's for us. I don't have to worry. I might be a little old lonely sheep. But I got a bad mamma jamma shepherd standing right next to me. I don't have anything to worry about. Huh? Come on. Look at that. Trust him. Come on. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through us, through our skills, through our ability, through our goodness. No, through him who loved us. Thank you. Who is loyal to us. Who's on our side. For I am convinced, Paul said, that neither death, and remember he's writing this Romans, this letter, knowing life is coming to an end, will will come to an end for him shortly. It's not the last book he wrote, but he knows where his life is heading. And he says this, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is, is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Nothing. He's on your side. He's for you. He's on my side. He's for us. Who can be against us? And God Because he's with us, he's for us, his Holy Spirit is in us, and we are with him and for him and in them. And and there's going to be celebration. Are you in them and for them today? Are you with them? Have you declared your allegiance? Have you crossed and, 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 and legitimately stood and said, I've surrendered all. I'm for the Lord now, and I'm living for him. He's Lord of all now. Have you done that? This morning as we stand and we close in prayer, I want you, if you haven't done that, you're welcome to come forward and declare your allegiance this morning. You're welcome to choose your side if you got to. You're welcome to do that as we pray with you and for you, and as you pray with us and for us too. Are you with him today? Because he's with us. And are we, do we have the joy of the Lord knowing that? That no matter what we're facing today, the Lord is for us and with us. Well, just go back to that passage and let it just continue to bless your heart because the Lord loves you and he loves me. If you want to come forward, you're welcome to, but let's pray for each other and let's pray to the Lord together. Lord, we are so grateful and thankful for the message of Christmas. We're so thankful and grateful, God, today. And Lord, we forget and we become negligent of remembering who's standing with us, who's for us each day that we get up. God, show us today if there's any hurtful way in us. Help us to repent of it. Help us to confess that sin and that disobedience to someone and to find healing and forgiveness that you so desperately want us to have. Help us not to be drugged down by circumstances or drugged down by enemies or drugged down by our own weaknesses or sins today because we know you're for us 
We know you're an ever-present help in our time of need. We know we can come to you and confess our sins. And you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We receive that in the name of Jesus this morning. Lord, we live sometimes on a low level. We're stuck in the fog. We're brought down by things around us or the hurts of others. And we forget that you're for us and you're with us. God, lift our eyes. Lord, captivate our mind. Speak into our heart and show us that you're with us and you're for us. We have nothing to fear. Lord, give us that peace that surpasses all understanding because you're with us. That joy that is uncontainable because you're not going to let go of our hand and you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, Lord, that as we come and seek you first, your kingdom and your righteousness, everything we need will be added to us. So Lord, where, where we're struggling, help us to seek first you and your kingdom and to stay there. And if we have to obey in a new way, in a different way, help us to obey in that new way, in a different way. Because we're going to trust in you. God, today, may our allegiances be clear. May we cut the cord with the world or any other things that we're serving or, or allied or aligned with. God, help us to cut the cord today so that it's only you who is Lord and you alone. Because we know that if we walk that way, we will overcome. We will not become overcome by evil, but we will overcome with good. So Lord, bless us with that this Christmas season. Bless us with that and then help us, God, to spread that message to others that need to hear it. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and we all said together, amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Have a great, great Sunday. Have a great Sunday being with the Lord and being for him and knowing that he's with you and for you. Amen. Uh, are there anything else that we need to, any other announcements? Next Sunday is Children's Program. Come ready to celebrate. It's going to be great. Plan to come Christmas Eve. It's going to be a wonderful gathering of worship. But it will be briefer, much briefer. But we'd love.